are welcome to Face to Face Broadcast. Enjoy the dynamic teaching ministry of Pastor Tibby Peters, the President of Renaissance Assembly Incorporated. This message will take you from where you are to where you ought to be. I'd like to read from Matthew chapter 16 and uh, our focus will be from verse 18 but there was a conversation that brought us to that place and uh, maybe we just back up two verses Jesus was having a conversation Okay, it says, then Jesus said unto them, take it and we were 16, no, Matthew 16, 16, not 6. Just one more verse back. No, no, no. I mean, up 15, yeah, thank you. Jesus asked a question. Before then, he had asked, whom do men say that I am? And then they began to say, some say you are this, some say that. Then he said, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And then we read, look at verse 15. Let's read from 15, please. He said unto them, but whom say ye that I am? Next. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Verse 17. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon bar Jonah, for flesh and blood had not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Pause for a moment. It means that there are answers that flesh and blood reveal to us. Hallelujah. And there are answers that the Heavenly Father reveals to us. Jesus said, this idea did not come to you physically. As believers, sometimes we allow our circumstances minister to us or give us revelations. He said, this person did not smile at me. I've gotten a revelation. I know I will not talk back to him. <laughs> Fleshly revelations. Amen. But he said, no. This one, flesh and blood, is not a human that revealed it to you. This did not come from any other human being. You didn't learn this from somebody. My heavenly father has revealed this to you. There's no way you will naturally know that I am Christ, the son of the living God. My prayer for you today is that throughout this year you will not function with what flesh and blood reveal to you. You will function with what your father has revealed to you. In your business endeavors, in your academics, in your family life, you will not function with what flesh and blood reveal to you. You will function with what your heavenly father will reveal to you. Because human limitations are always there. Whatever human beings tell you 
There's something every human being does not know. Hallelujah. But God is all-knowing. Say He's all-knowing. Say it again. He's all-knowing. He knows everything. So you can stake your life. You can bank on what He says. Verse 18. And I say unto thee, I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against thee. Now verse 19, please. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt lose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Last week, I tried to talk about this. I was a keys of the kingdom. Say it again, keys of the kingdom. Now, this was Jesus speaking. If you read the scripture alone, you would think that he was specifically talking to Peter. Of course, in this discussion, it was Peter he was talking to. But we read in Matthew 18, verse 18, the same statement made again. And in that statement, he said, this is another chapter of the Bible, of the same Matthew. Verily I say unto you, this time he was talking to his disciples, and he said, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall lose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Talking about it last week, I explained something, I'd just like to throw some light on it. Now, there are a lot of scriptures in the Bible that are misunderstood because they were misrepresented. Even as an adult, I remember stories that even Sunday school or children church teachers taught us that growing up we now found out that it was not exactly correct. Hallelujah. Because it was just traditional religious knowledge. A good example I always give that could relate with every, everyone could easily relate with is that Jesus had three wise men come visit him. Hallelujah. We got that idea from our children church teachers. Not this church, amen. <laughs> that Jesus had three wise men come to visit him. And up till a few years back, people have had that argument with me. And then I said, show me the scripture. And they said, it's in the Bible. And then when they open to the scripture, they find that it didn't say there were three wise men. The scripture only said that three gifts were given. And it mentioned gold, frankincense, and men. And two people can give three gifts, and four people can give three gifts. Amen. So the Bible never said three wise men. It said men. Men from the east. Hallelujah. It didn't tell us how many. Are you with me? Now, I'm talking about misconceptions of scripture. So, a lot of us grew up with a lot of scriptural misconceptions. There are some things we heard, somebody said, and we collected it. Without checking for ourselves whether it was so. I remember when we were on, on campus university, I, I asked one of my leaders to teach. You know? Um, and then he came up stage, and then he was teaching. And then at one point he now said, for example, as we all know, Isaiah was a politician. 
So I said, after the meeting, I said, who, who told you that? He said, everybody knows. I said, well, I don't know. And I didn't teach you that. Hallelujah. So I said, stay with what you are thought. Hallelujah. I said, okay, let's go. Isaiah has 66 chapters. Let's sit down. Let's start from chapter 1. We have the whole day. Let's read everything and find out if there's anywhere. He said, well, somebody, some people have been saying it, so I just, you know, you know, people saying something doesn't make it true. Hallelujah. The Bible tells us about a group of believers in the book of Acts. They were called the people from Berea. Berean Christians. He said that when Paul came there to teach them, they searched the scriptures whether those things were so. That's the way. Are you understanding me? You search the scriptures whether those things that were said are so. Then you now have your own conviction. Hallelujah. You don't swallow what someone says. Hallelujah. So there are a lot of misconceptions. And one of these this scripture is one of such misconceptions. Because, especially in Africa, the challenge in Africa is that a lot of God's word was thought with a consciousness of demons more than a consciousness of angels. Amen. Are you listening to me? So, some of us embrace the gospel and we embrace the gospel with a consciousness that darkness is greater than light. And perhaps light works sometimes. But darkness is dominant. But no, no, no. The kingdom, the gospel teaches otherwise. Hallelujah. No, it teaches otherwise. First of all, it establishes that you have been delivered from the power of darkness. So, you understand that, hey, 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 you have been separated from darkness. And you have been translated, hallelujah, transferred into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of his dear son. So you are in light. The Bible refers to you as children of light. Children of light means that you are products of this light, hallelujah. So we walk in the light. Say, I walk in the light. There's no darkness in me. Amen. So that consciousness must be there. But there's somewhere I'm going to. Alright? Misconception. So we say, um, whatever we bound, bind on earth is bound in heaven. First thing is this. English. English. Language. You must understand that there are several translations of the Bible. But you see, the King James Version somehow tops the ranks. I believe for many reasons. There were a lot of resources put in to produce the King James Bible. It had to be executed by royal order. Are you understanding me? If the government of this state, of this country rather, Invest in, they say, okay, they want to come up with um, a syllabus, let's assume, for 
secondary schools. The federal government will have more resources to gather consultants from all over the world than a private individual. Are you understanding me? Now, so the King James Version came as a result of a king, a government coming up to say, we want a Bible in our language. Hallelujah. Translated to English. And bring the best of all. Are you understanding me? And they sat down. There are individuals. You have names of people like William Tyndale and, uh, and several other people that on their own, privately, studied and tried to translate the Bible to English. But the King James Version came as a result, not one person, several people. Maybe today you call them professors. Are you understanding me? That came together. So a lot of work was put into it. Hello? Alright, but don't forget that the King James Version was released in the year 1611. How many years ago? Hallelujah. Many years ago. The English they were speaking in 1611 is not the English we're speaking today. At least we don't say D and thou. Hello? How many of you say, say, uh, thou, thou shall give me my money? You don't really talk like that anymore. Amen. If someone was talking to you like that, you would think they are playing. Are you understanding me? So, um, some of you that read Shakespeare and all those um, materials, you might be conversant with But there's a generation that might not even know all those things. The only place they see thou and thee is in the Bible now. Hallelujah. Now, so don't allow the thou's and the thee's to confuse you. There are several words. If, if you read the New Testament especially, I pick a scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, from verse 17 down to 21, the scripture said, um, um, uh, therefore if any man be in Christ, a new creature. Now, the first language, King James used the word, a new creature. We don't call people creatures today. If you say, oh, look at this, she's a creature. <laughs> it's like, you're saying the person is a monster. Are you understanding me? Are you understanding me? But um, in today, what the expression you're trying to say is that it is a new creation. Hallelujah. So the new King James puts the word creation, but the old King James uses the word creature. Am I communicating? So it's language. It's language. All things have become new. All things have passed away. Then um, you, you go down the path where it says, God was in Christ, reconciled the world to himself. They said, to with. This is to with. You use the language. We don't talk like that today. What, a, what I was trying to say is that, um, where's that scripture? Yeah, to with. Lawyers might use that language, but we don't talk like that. To with means, this is to say. Hallelujah. But for us, when we say with, we're talking about intelligence. Are you understanding me? So, we don't use those words again. Example, I'm just doing an example. So we go back to Matthew 16. In Matthew 16, you see the word there, bind and lose. Whatsoever thou shalt bind. And whatsoever thou shalt lose. Everybody say bind. Lose. Say bind. Lose. Now, bind and lose has brought its own theology and its own doctrine. Especially in the school of deliverance. Amen. In the school of deliverance. Bind and loose. But Jesus was not talking about bind the way we use the word bind. 
Today, when we say bind, it could mean to tie something. Hallelujah. So you have, you say, I'm going to bind my book. Hello? So what do you call this book that do bind? Yes, binding, yeah? They bind. Huh? Uh-huh. But that's not the language here. So, someone say, I bind the devil. I bind the devil. Let me ask a question. Maybe we're going to enter this um, sometime later. To explain, what can we actually do to the devil? Amen. What can you actually do to the devil? It's a good question to ask. What authority does the believer have over the devil? Can we kill him? Can we tie him? I'm just putting in your mind a thought for another day. Because if you don't understand what you can do with the devil, you'll just be playing. You know, some of the things some believers do is not different from sitting down and singing twinkle, twinkle, little star. How I wonder what, and expecting that something will happen. You cannot do to the devil what the scripture says or does not say. Are you understanding me? You can only do to the devil what the scripture permits you to do. Amen. Hello? Michael, the archangel, you could read the story in the book of Jude, met Satan. And the Bible says that they were arguing over the body of Moses. You know the story of Moses? God told him to climb up the Mount Nebo and said, okay, die. (laughs) Amen. He was not sick. And why God took him far away was so that, because Moses was such a revered man of God that if Moses' bones were here today, people would have been worshipping it. So God didn't want him to die around people. So God said, come up Mount Nebo. Lie down. Die. So, Moses doesn't have a burial spot anywhere in Israel. Hallelujah. Alright, but the story was that when Moses died, on the spiritual side, Satan came to contest for his body. Satan had a right. Because at that time, Jesus had not died. And everybody that died at that time did not go right into heaven. Hallelujah. So Satan came to contest for the body of Moses. But God had sent Michael the archangel for that same body. And while they were contesting, Michael could not say, you need a fear. The Bible says, Michael said, the Lord rebuked thee. It's not me. That means even in the realm, that realm, they have understanding of ranking. He said, the Lord rebuked thee. Today is not the day to talk about what you can do to the devil. Amen. <laughs> but we have authority over him. Amen. That's important. Okay, so we come back here. Are you learning something? Okay. Remember that we have the keys of the kingdom. 
The keys of the kingdom give you the right to bind and lose. Amen. Say bind and lose. That's what the keys give you. The keys give you a right to bind and lose. So, but what does the binding and losing mean? That's what I want to deal with. Now, binding is not tying. And what will help us here is that we will have to read other translations of this same scripture so that we understand what it means to bind and lose. So, um, give me a new translation. Give me something like, um, New Living Translation, NLT. Hallelujah. I believe NLT nailed it here. Let's read together. I want to go. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you <laughs> forbid where, will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth, will be permitted where? So, the choice of words. Instead of bind, you use the word, what? Forbid. Instead of lose, you use the word permit. So what does binding mean? Forbidding. What does losing mean? You know, so, ah, it's like, so, you know, in a class there are A students and there are F students. Amen. Glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let me be sure which one you are. Amen. You know, there are students that it's the same lecture, the same lecturer, but the result will never be the same. Okay. So be an A student this morning. What, whatever you forbid, what does bind mean? What does lose mean? That means that the scripture is saying that whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Another word that will bring it home to you based on what you use every day are the words allow and refuse. So to bind will be to refuse. Whatsoever you refuse, say whatever you refuse, will be refused in heaven. Whatsoever you allow, will be allowed in heaven. Is that clear? So this is what Jesus was talking about. That if you refuse it, heaven will refuse it. If you allow it, Heaven will allow it. Is that clear? It actually had nothing to do with Satan directly. Amen. Are we together? Okay. That means the keys of the kingdom that he was giving to us will give us access to allow things and refuse things. Or refuse things and allow things. And I said that special privilege was not given to Peter alone. At the time Jesus was speaking, he said, I will give. He had not yet given it to him. But later, we saw Peter functioning like someone that already had the keys. So we postpone and fast forward to Peter's life in Acts. And then we see Peter going for prayer meeting and then he sees a guy that is laying by the gate called Beautiful and then he looks at him and says, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up. He, uh, that means the man was crippled but he did not allow it. Amen. He did not say, God, do you want this man to wake up? No, no, no. He did not allow it. And heaven also did not allow it. That means that Peter was now functioning with those keys. 
So the question was, okay, at what point did Peter get it? Because first of all, it was not to Peter alone. Because there are Bible interpretations that make us believe that Jesus was telling Peter something special. No, but when we read Matthew 18, we found out that it was not about Peter. It was something for the church. Hallelujah. That the church, the body of people that will be raised because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ will have access to allow and refuse things on earth. And heaven will answer to them. And I told you something. I made a statement. It's very heavy. I know some of you, you know, might not have given so much thought to it. But what I said is this. This thing, keys he was talking about, is covenant authority. For the last two or three meetings, I've been trying to enter covenant. We are are just trying to enter. You know, we're trying to enter. But it's as you are following that we can enter. Amen. Covenant authority. Meaning that... There are human beings that will be here, but they determine what happens here. And whatever they decide, heaven supports. Are you understanding me? Whatever they they decide, heaven backs it. That's what he was saying here. That a time, this is going to be happening, where whatever you allow is what heaven will allow. Whatever you refuse, heaven will refuse. Is that not a great thing? Praise God. This is not just about our personal lives. It's also about the environment we function in. Are we together? It's also about the environments we function in. Where the church will stand up and say, No! Hallelujah! And heaven says, no. Where you will rise up and say, never. I remember the story of the late Archbishop Benson Dowser. When he was still alive, they were advertising on television um, is it, I can't remember the group now, but it was an association of witches. Associate, they are registered. Association of witch, who that practice witch, witchcraft and wizardry. You know, so they were doing conferences and they went to have their first, um, inter, um, conference, one, an international conference, but to be hosted by Nigeria. So, of course, this was, I think in the 80s or thereabout. And so the guy was on television talking about that it's not like, you know, it's something that people can join. They're going to have their so, 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 so. And then the man, uh, then whoever was interviewing him said, you know, Nigeria is a very superstitious and religious country. What don't you think the um, people are going to oppose you coming to do this conference in Nigeria? He said, this conference is holding. Even God cannot stop it. That's what the man said. So when Archbishop heard, he said, the program is cancelled. God does not have to come down because I am here. Hallelujah. <laughs> he said, God does not have to come because I am here. And as I am here, I cancel the program. And he did not hold. What was he operating? Whatever you allow on earth will be allowed in heaven. Whatever you permit, you refuse on earth will refuse in heaven. That's what he was operating. He said, no, God does not have to come down. I am here. Praise God. Understanding that he's an ambassador. Hallelujah. 
an ambassador. One representing. Glory to God. So, this scripture is telling you that you will be an ambassador. Hallelujah. Okay, you are getting close now. Alright. Ambassadorial rights. So, the Nigerian ambassador to the United States can speak for Nigeria in the United States. He can represent the president in the United States. Are you understanding me? Whatever he's saying, he's speaking for the nation. This is the same thing Jesus was talking about. That you will be on earth, but you are speaking for heaven. Hallelujah. Did you get that? Alright. It's just one more sentence I'll make and I'll be very far from where I was. But I want you to follow me closely. Remember a statement I made. I said that this keys that he was talking about is the covenant authority that these people will wield. Hallelujah. Covenant authority. Say covenant authority. What do I mean by covenant authority? Authority that comes from a covenant you are in. In Psalm 50 verse 5, it says, Gather my saints unto me. Together unto me, those that have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. Hello? Gather my saints together unto me, those that have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. We stay here a little. What is a covenant? Let me say, what is a covenant? Actually, what is a covenant? What is a covenant? In English, a covenant is an agreement. A pact, a treaty, um, a deal, a bargain. Huh? I look for more words, you know? Something that is binding on two persons. That's a covenant. But in biblical terminology, a covenant is a sacred agreement sealed with blood. Hallelujah. In this case, especially between God, between deity and humanity. That's covenant. The word covenant is an adaptation from Latin. Covenant or something like that. It simply means a coming together. So when we're in covenant with God, it's a coming together. Hallelujah. Is a coming together. The coming together means that both of you now share strengths and perhaps you also share weaknesses. Are we together? A lot of believers sometimes are not covenant conscious. But it is that covenant consciousness that makes you know that you have authority to say whatever I allow will be allowed. Whatever I refuse will be refused. It's a covenant consciousness. There are very few men like David in the Bible that functioned every day so to speak with a covenant consciousness. Hello? You are in a covenant 
I say you are in a covenant. With who? With God. You are in a covenant with God. You know, there are some people that even sign uh, contracts and they are bound by those contracts. In the contract, they say, if you do this, huh, we will do this. And that document, at the end of it, you both of you sign and you agree. And it's binding on both parties. Now, the scriptures make us understand that we in Christ are in a covenant with God. But there's a difference between the covenant we are in and the way everybody knows about covenant. You know, let me explain something to you. You know marriage is a covenant. How many of you know that? Marriage is a covenant. As a matter of fact, it's the strongest human covenant. After covenant between deity and humanity, the next most powerful, most sacred covenant is covenant between a human and a human in marriage. So marriage is a covenant. But today I'm not talking about the marriage covenant. And that's why the marriage must be consummated. Because it has to be sealed with blood. Are you understanding me? It's a covenant. Paul was teaching. And then he said, and look, he said, I will show you a mystery. That this marriage thing is like Christ and the church. Hallelujah. That if you understand the relationship between Christ and the church, your marriage will work. Amen. But I would want to go that way. So you are a husband. Let me just touch on that since I'm here. You know, Jesus said, I mean, that scripture I'm quoting is Ephesians 5, where the scripture says that the continuous washing of water by the word. That Jesus always washing the church. He doesn't say, ah, I just washed you now, you're dirty again. I'm not, no, he washed the church. Your wife has to be shiny every time. Amen. He'll be washing. Amen. Just as Christ is always washing the church. Amen. That's how you also be washing your wife. Amen. And she'll be submitting. Amen. It's very easy. Husband, love your wife. Your wife's job is to submit. Love provokes submission. Submission attracts love. Is that how it works? Amen. Are you understanding me? Some of you are looking at me like, uh, okay, in case you are not married, this is how it works. Amen. Because maybe the people that are not married are wondering. <laughs> Glory to Jesus. Is the wife that's why for you to be a husband according to God's word, you have to be born again. So a woman cannot marry an unbeliever and expect him to do what a believing husband will do. It's not possible. He cannot ah Christ and the church is not the church and Satan. Are you understanding me? Satan cannot wash the church. Are you understanding me? Satan will persecute and try to strangle and try to stop the gates of hell. Shall not, you understand? The gates of hell always try to prevail against the church. That's why husband is always prevailing. He's not saved. <laughs> he always prevailing. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Now, if you got married, 
before you got born again. It might be a, a little different. You know, there are other th- routes that God's wisdom will guide you on how to pa- follow. But you were tongue-talking and went to marry an unbelieving husband. The Lord help you. The same way also goes for the husband. You are saved. You now marry an unbelieving lady. Say, no, no, she is miss. She is miss. You don't understand. She is miss Potakot. <laughs> you think it's no more Christ than the church. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> Amen. There's no Christ in her. So she can never manifest what you expect her to manifest. Praise God. Alright, but back to the covenant. The mistake a lot of people make, and if I stop here, it'll be good. I'll take a story and then I'll use it to explain what I want to say. Some years back, I traveled to Abuja for something. So where I was staying, a fellow walked up to me and just to make discussion, you know, just to, for us to talk, you know, and then he just raised the discussion. He said, talking, I didn't know him from anywhere before. So, it was a hotel, so he said, um, he's like, you stay around, I said, no. Um, you came from so so place. I said Port Harcourt. He said, "Oh, Port Harcourt, Port Harcourt, Port Harcourt." This story I'm talking about maybe happened. Uh, I'm not remember the year now. It was it's over five years, seven years ago, or eight years ago? I can't remember exactly. So he said, "Port Harcourt, I know Port Harcourt." Oh, I said, you, 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 you been, you been to I said, yes, I lived in Portaco for seven years. I said, wow, okay, okay, okay. Then I said, ah, about Portacot. Ah. He said, talking about Portacot. So he said, have they, have they, have they, um, built, like, flyovers now in Portacot? I was like, I don't understand. He said, like, you know, do they have traffic lights now in Portacot? Oh, there's another question he asked me. Traffic lights, flyover, and something else. Important. So like, those things are important. He said, no. I said, Portacot, capital of River State. He said, yes. I said, where, um, so I said, where did you stay in Portacot? Because I was asking him questions. I said, there's, um, there's a place, there's, you know, traffic lights, there's a place called traffic lights, it has been there even when some people were children, there's a, he said, where is that? I said, um, after water lines, he said, where is that? I said, Garrison, okay, Garrison is between it, water lines, after that Garrison then, he said, where is Garrison? Ah. I said, okay, do you know Jerry? He said, no. I said, do you know Ruben Massey? He said, no. Do you know Artillery? He said, no. Do you know Borokiri? He said, no. I said, do you know Presidential Hotel? He said, no. 
So I said, hello, where in Port Harcourt do you know? So he said, ah, I, I said, he said, I live in Port Harcourt for seven years now. So he, when he finally told me, he said, eh, Obibo. <laughs> and that there is no traffic light in Port Harcourt. There is no flyover in Port Harcourt. I didn't know what happened, but I was angry. The first thing I told him, I said, anywhere you go, stop telling people you have been to Portacot. You have never been to Portacot. The guy never crossed LMA Junction. He never crossed because he doesn't know LMA Junction. So I said, don't tell anybody you have, been, you have never been to Portacot. That place you came to is called Oyibo. It's not Portacot. He said, okay. Seven years. But you know what? He has been preaching the gospel of Portacot. Are you understanding me? That's how there are people in church. They have never entered the new covenant. Mm-hmm. They've never entered the new covenant. But say, ah, I'm a child of God. What they are preaching is old covenant. Amen. So that experience gave me a message. I preach it in many places. Where are you living? Because this guy has been living in Oibo and he has been calling it Portacot. So there are many people that have been living under the law and they've been calling it grace. There are many people that have been living under the old covenant and they've been calling it the covenant of Jesus. Are you with me? Ask your neighbor, where are you living? Amen. Where are you living? Because where you are living will determine your experience. Can you imagine? There's no flyover in his own experience. There's no healing in his own experience. There's no prosperity in his own experience. Are you understanding me? So, we, we are supposed to be talking about the same God, but what he knows about him, are you understanding me? Because he has never tasted. But I say, oh, taste and see. That the Lord is good. Amen. So this morning, I want to invite you, amen, to come into the portacot of the gospel. Amen. Amen. To leave Oyibo of the law. Amen. And come into the message of the finished work of Christ. Of what Jesus Christ has done by his death, burial, and resurrection. In order to argue the Bible, so, let me show you in the Bible. Someone turn Bible. A woman shall not wear that which pertaineth to a man. A man shall not wear that which pertaineth to a woman. It's yeah, written in black. You know the point? You don't even know where to start with that kind of person. It's like somebody coming to show you. Say, see, see the address. Is, in the book, see the address. I was living at number two Umapara close Oyubo Potakot. Is it not Potakot? <laughs> you don't look at the person. You don't even know where to start. You understand? You don't know where to start. He said, um, um, you know, yeah, sir. You know, sometimes people refer to Oyubo as Potakot, but actually, 
You see, in the local governments, in the map, <laughs> in the local, it is not in Portaco local government. Are you understanding? So what are you telling me? When I was coming from Uwe, they were shouting, Portaco, Portaco, Portaco. <laughs> When I was coming from, they were shouting Portal Court, then they dropped me. He said, the place is not Portal Court. <laughs> Amen. Are you understanding me? That's how people argue about this gospel. Amen. Yeah, it's the same way. And I'm just using that analogy to explain this. So, it's in the Bible. It's not in the Bible, it's in the Bible. And if you've not been around those kind of people for a long time, you will not even know there are still people like that. You'll be amazed when people, some people open their mouth, you will say, where, where, where has this guy been? Where has this guy been? Praise God. I read a story about a fellow that was in prison. Um, it was America. And um, he had been in prison for many years. And he came out recently. He was in prison when there was no internet. So as he came out now, he's just like, hey, he's lost. <laughs> he's lost. <laughs> lost. When he was jailed, there was no internet. Now he's out. He's lost. Let me end on this note. And I, I just want to say a few things that will help everybody here. Everybody's not on the same level of understanding. Is the fact that we are not, you see, God entered into covenants. Everybody say covenants with human beings. Some of them were personal. For example, Noah. God entered into a covenant with Noah. You read through scriptures, you see some fellows, you know, that had a covenant with God in one way or the other. But the central covenants of the Bible are what we know as the Mosaic Covenant and then the New Covenant. Hallelujah. Am I communicating? When I mean Mosaic, Moses. Okay? Now, that covenant was with the Jewish people you were never in that covenant. Hello? Let me tell you something. If Jesus Christ did not come, listen to what I want to say. And you carry your Bible and quote Deuteronomy 28, I shall be the head and not the tail. You are talking rubbish. It does not concern you. Are you hearing me? If Jesus Christ did not come and you had Genesis to Malachi, there's nothing that concerns you. Hello? A Jew is born of a Jew. Amen? And then, even as you're born, you have to be circumcised. Are you understanding me? The circumcision is the way for the male child that he is part of that covenant. Hallelujah. So you from Africa... You have no business with the law. 
You have no business with all the promises he spoke over the Jewish people. You have no business with it. You were never part of it. When Paul was speaking in Galatians 3.13, Paul was speaking with the mindset that as he's writing to the Galatians, there are Jewish Galatians there. So he said, Christ had redeemed us. Me, I'm Jewish too. But even me, Christ has redeemed me from the cause of the law. But you, you were never under that cause. Hallelujah. Because the law was never even given to you in the first place. Are you listening to me? The law was, you had no business with the law. The law was to the Jewish people. What concerns you is what Jesus Christ did. And because of what Jesus did, what happened? You became a partaker of what was contained in the law and more. Hallelujah. Let me put it better. The blessings of the law, but you are separated from the causes of the law. Hallelujah. We just scripture just read now. See it now. Christ had redeemed us from the cause of the law. Being made the cause. That means being made a cause for us. So what are we, were you redeemed? What was the redemption, so to speak, from the cause? What does it mean, cause of the law? Let me explain it to you. When he gave the law, if the law says that a man must wear jeans on a t-shirt on Sunday. If he doesn't wear jeans and t-shirt on Sunday, I will make sure that on Monday he does not wake up from his bed. He does not wake up from his bed. Is the cause, the penalty that comes because he did not obey the law. Are you understanding me? Now, Christ did not just redeem you from obeying the law. But he said that the penalty that normally comes for not obeying the law, he has redeemed you from it too. But remember that the law has a blessing. If you wear this jean and t-shirt, my favor will rest upon you. That's the blessing. When you got born again, that blessing was added to you. Amen. Are you understanding me? But the curse was held back from you. Amen. Are you getting the picture? Okay, so we'll go back to something very important. That's why when we tithe, the blessing of tithing is still upon us. Hallelujah. It's the curse that was taken away. Are you understanding me? Understand the new covenant. Understand the new covenant. The new covenant is cost free. Amen. Yeah. Understand it. And embrace it that way. And you are a partaker of that new covenant. I end with Hebrews 8.6. I'm out of time. Let's read together. Want to go? But now had he obtained what? A more excellent ministry. Talking about Jesus. By how much also he's what? <coughs> the mediator of what? Tell anybody it's a better covenant. Which was what? Established upon better promises. That means every covenant has a promise, has promises in it. Every covenant has promises in it. But he's saying that this covenant you are part of has better promises. So anytime you read 
the promises to the Jewish people, you know that your own is better. Hallelujah. Amen. One of the promises he gave to them is that you shall be the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath. Is that not so? Now, he's saying that in the new covenant, the promises are better than that one. Hallelujah. Whatever the law blessed you with, grace has blessed you with much more. Hallelujah. Much more. Much more. So, I end with this. Don't be ignorant of what the new covenant has made available to you. We ought to stay conscious of this covenant. It was because of covenant that David had the audacity to say, who is this uncircumcised Philistine when he was standing before Goliath? Meaning that I am in partnership with God. That's why I will always win. Amen. That same thing is in the new covenant. Thanks be unto God, which always leads us to triumph in Christ. That means that the new covenant is a constantly winning agreement with God. That means that in Christ we always win. Amen. We always win. He has given to us victory in Christ Jesus. The victory of Christ Jesus was handed over to us. And so we are riding in his victory. Am I communicating? So we, we approach this year. We function with this year, in, in this year, with the consciousness of the covenants. How do I know that 2016 has delivered for me? Because I'm in pact with God. In this sacred agreement, I have won the year. Hallelujah. God's strength has become my strength. God's victory has become my victory. Are you getting the picture? So I'm in a covenant. I'm in covenant. This covenant is, 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 is working because of Jesus. Hallelujah. The Bible refers to him as the mediator. He's the one that packaged the covenant. You know how lawyers package agreements. Hallelujah. Is Jesus packaged the, the covenant. Hallelujah. And it totally favors you. Praise God. It totally favors you. There is no clause in that covenant that is harmful to you. Amen. It favors you totally. It secures your health. Amen. It secures longevity. That means in that covenant you will fulfill your days. In that covenant, are you understanding me? In that covenant, prosperity belongs to you. In that covenant, sound health belongs to you. In that covenant, the ways as the ways are open to you. In that covenant, God is at peace with you and has commanded everything to be at peace with you. If God be for you, that's a covenant statement. Who can be against you? It's a covenant statement. If God be for me, I want someone to say it. If God be for me, who can be against me? So I'm announcing to you that if God is for you, 2016 cannot be against you. It's covenant consciousness. If God is for me, and because of what Jesus did, God is for me. If God is for me, January cannot be against me. If God is for me, my job cannot be against me. If God is for me, my neighborhood cannot be against me. If God... Now, he didn't say they will not try to rise up, but that against are trying to be, it will turn out to favor me. 
That means they will not succeed and remain enemies and succeed as enemies. So God is for me. If God is for me, February will not be against me. If God is for me, APC will not be against me. If God is for me, PDP will not be against me. Are you understanding me? It's a consciousness you carry. Say God is for me. God is for me. Hallelujah. God is for me. God is on our side. God is for me. In actual fact, we are the ones that came on his side, but you know, he doesn't mind saying yes, we are on his, he's, he's on our side. Because the day you believed in what Jesus did on the cross, you crossed over. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It is darkness and light. Are you on the side of light? And light is the winning side. In this league of the spirits, light is always the winning team. Amen. <laughs> Amen. The medal has been handed over. The, the, the cup had been handed over a long time to the team of lights. And they will ever be with that cup. Amen. <laughs> are you understanding me? So we are the winning team. The light shineth in darkness. And what? Darkness comprehended it not. So you will teach the world. Hallelujah. You are the light to the world. Recognize that. God is for you. Look at two people and tell them, God is for me. And nothing can be against me. Say it again. God is for me. And nothing can be against me. Rise to your feet. Lift up your voices everywhere. And just begin to thank the Lord for the opportunity to hear His word. And to thank Him that you have the keys of the kingdom. These keys are covenant authority. The authority that comes from the covenant you are in. And you have known what it means to bind. And what it means to lose. What it means to allow. What it means to refuse. I want you to take up, take that um, um, opportunity of what you've learned today and make this week a great week for yourself. Thank you for listening to this message. If you have been blessed, you can reach us by email on info at faithtofaithonline.org or call us on 234-806-361-3560. You are big, blessed, and loaded. Thank you.